0: You want your store to look good, and so do we. But there has to be a balance struck between looking good, performing well, and discoverability. This is a conversation that can get pretty heated between designers, developers, and SEO professionals. But we need to talk about it because it impacts your store dramatically. So what takes precedence? Search engine optimization or user experience? Is it either or in this battle royale, or is it a blend of both? Today, it's just us, Kelly and Rian, talking about two things we know best from opposite sides of the same coin. Let's dig in. Welcome to Commerce Tea, a podcast to help you succeed on Shopify.
1: I'm Rian. And I'm Kelly. Grab a mug and join us as we talk about all things commerce.
0: Hey, Kelly. How can I get to know my customers better?
1: By using Octane AI's new shoppable quiz, you can easily create beautiful quizzes to learn more about your customers and help them find products you know they'll love.
0: What kind of results can I expect from building a
1: quiz? You'll see increases in your conversions and average order value, growth in your marketing lists, and higher engagement on your marketing campaigns by using the personalization data you're collecting. And the results are profound. Brands on Shopify with a shoppable quiz have collected 16 times more emails and discovered segments of customers with a 75% higher AOV than the average customer. That's so rad. Yeah. Plus, Octane AI passes the quiz responses into the marketing tools you already use, like Clavio and Privy. You'll also get to use this personalization data with Octane AI's powerful Facebook Messenger and SMS automations.
0: Where can I learn more?
1: Visit octaneai.com quiz to learn more and request an invite for early access. Hello, Kelly. Good morning, Rian. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. I just spent my entire last week up in Michigan uh, at my family's lake house, Ooh. kind of a, get a, a nice little change of uh, change of scenery. So if you watched our most recent YouTube video, our, our most recent friendly Shopify st- uh, store teardown, you'll notice I'm in a different place. And this is why <laughs> I did not move. I just uh, moved temporarily been, for one week.
0: <laughs> I've been in a vacation state of mind. If if that counts as going on vacation. I have a question about Michigan. Can you get in the lake or is it too cold?
1: Uh, I'm not getting in the lake. I'm sure. Um... I could a- I think my dad has like a little like <laughs> scuba outfit upstairs that he uses when uh when the the boat is because our boat is just currently sitting in our uh driveway um because it's late in the season okay. it comes out after labor day and so usually he'll like put on a scuba suit and get into the water cuz it's super cold and it's like Memorial Day weekend um so yeah am I getting in the water right now no could I absolutely i will not die i just will not enjoy it uh, if I double dog
0: dare you, will you put your feet in? Like, what's, <laughs> is the limit zero or, or will you
1: put your toes in? I will not be getting into the lake. <laughs> <sighs> fine. I, sh- I Kelly, guess we should specify, fine. like, we're literally recording this while I'm up in Michigan. And that's why we we're talking about future tense while I just <laughs> said that I was up in Michigan for the past week. Just so, <laughs> so we're clear. <laughs>
0: just. People are like, what tense are we in? Which is a comment I make often on my daughter's essays it when is, I'm reading we're intense. she turns in. Okay, intense. Okay. We are intense.
1: I'm very intense. Okay, so what are we talking about today, Kelly? So we are talking Battle Royale. Is it SEO or is it UX? <laughs> Which one matters more? <laughs> bah, bah,
0: bah. I think this is a super important thing to talk about because I have had some very heated conversations with some... I, I find that most often with designers where they're like, no, re and this animation is like absolutely critical. I'm like, no, it's not. Uh, we should get rid of it for the rest of our lives. So let, why don't we define... Let's do some definitions first. So Kelly, why don't you lead us off? What is UX?
1: Yeah, so UX stands for user experience, which is really the the overall experience of a person using your website. So navigating your website from homepage all the way through checkout and basically looking at it in terms of how easy it is to use, how how much enjoyment you get from using the website. Right.
0: Does it bring me, del- am I delighted?
1: Does it bring me joy? Yeah. It's
0: different than CRO. I'm delighted. Right?
1: So yeah. So CRO, which stands for conversion rate optimization, is, is the art of making small tweaks and changes to your website to increase your conversion rate. So, these changes you make to your website impact your user experience in a way that entices customers to actually place an order. Gotcha.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Let's throw another acronym in there because let's round it out. Let's do it. SEO! SEO! which is my favorite thing to talk about, which is search engine optimization, no. which is how do you get found? Uh, what? What? Rian's talking about SEO? What's happening? Um, uh, SEO is just about discoverability on Google. We have another podcast episode that we've talked about an introduction to SEO. If you're like, Rian, what are you talking about? That might be a good place to start after you're done with this episode. But... It's really important to have your store optimized for search. And sometimes the things that make your store optimized for search are at odds with user experience in theory. I would posit that they are all, and I've I've said this before and I'll say it a bajillion times, if SEO is a multidimensional Rubik's Cube, UX is just one side of that Rubik's Cube. CRO is right. another, but we're not talking about CRO today. So you, so there's some people will get into this like really, this real true battle royale. And we're going to, and Kelly and I are going to duke it out about some things today about what we think is more important. But at the end of the day, you have to have all of those things together. And you have yeah. to strike a balance. You've got to solve the exactly.
1: Cube. <laughs> I cannot solve a Rubik's Cube. So I don't know why I'm in this industry.
0: Nor <laughs> can I. I think we can watch a YouTube on it and probably learn.
1: So let's kind of dig into this a little bit more detail. Yeah. We, you, you mentioned that there is some crossover and that is absolutely true. And though I, I would, I would venture to say that one of the most important and also measurable differences where we tend to come at odds between UX and SEO is overall site performance or site speed in general. Reason being designers and developers tend to want to add some frills to the website, some little animations, some some fun little interactivity kind of components to the site um, to impact the user experience, to make it a more enjoyable experience. But whenever you add additional scripts or additional animations, especially GIFs to your website, it slows down the site. Yes. And that has an impact on... SEO. Do you want to explain how SEO and page speed interact?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Page speed is one. Of, so there's over 200 ranking factors for Google and they change a lot, but there are some that remain the same. And one of those is speed. And we know that one of the ranking factors is speed because Google wrote an entire blog post about it and have mentioned it over and over and over and over. And it's not just important to be performant on desktop, it's actually more important to be performant on mobile. So it's really important when you are, it, whether it's you dev'ing it out or someone else is dev'ing it out or, or whomever, you are actively testing it on desktop and mobile because we often get caught in that, well, I'm on my 5K monitor wall to wall, this looks great, and is it? it's at 70 on Lighthouse. But which, by the way, 70 in like if you're in university is not a great grade, but on Lighthouse is a great grade. That's just something that's good to notice. (laughs) To note is your score on Lighthouse is different. Don't think A A through F when you're looking at it.
1: And I think it's also important to talk more in depth. What is Lighthouse? Oh, yes. Great. And Lighthouse is a tool to measure four primary things performance, accessibility, best practices, and SEO. It basically is it's a Google algorithm that crawls your site and uh, grades you on each of these four areas. Five, if you're also looking at a progressive web app, which is something where I don't know if we're going to be getting into yeah. this episode because it's a little bit more technical. Um, but you can use Lighthouse as kind of a guide for finding areas of improvement on your site. Um, it is it's important to know, and I I know I'm going to mention this again during the episode, you have two scores. You have your mobile score and you have your desktop score. You are going to find when it comes to performance, your desktop and mobile score are likely going to vary drastically unless you have like a super basic website. The reason being mobile is measured as if you are using a middle range device on a relatively slow network connection, we're talking like a Moto G four on a three G connection. Remember when three G was the fastest I that was, was available? Gonna say what's three G? <laughs> yeah. So, but it's also really important to note that there is a good chance that a Moto G four on a three G connection is not your primary customer who's actually shopping in your store. But we're looking at making sure your website is performance for everybody who visits it. And that's why Google uses that mid-range level to score you on mobile. But it is going to have a pretty hefty impact on your score, especially if you have a lot of JavaScript on your site. Again, we'll get into this in more detail, but I wanted to provide a little bit of information about what Lighthouse is and what to expect from it. Also, I guess I should note that you can pull up your Lighthouse score through Chrome DevTools. Yes, it's a little tab. If you right-click and click on Inspect Element, you'll see a tab that says Lighthouse, and you can run the uh, run a Lighthouse test on your site.
0: Yeah, and if you want to be sneaky and start looking at competitors, you can do it that way, or you can just have a Lighthouse Chrome extension and you just click it every time. You're like, click, click. I love it. That I love it. I love a Chrome extension.
1: Yeah, you have access to literally everybody's uh, scores, their Lighthouse scores. So it's not like it's private data in any possible way. Um, also worth noting, every single page on your website has a different score. It looks at each page individually.
0: Which which is always fun, right? You're like, I'm doing a great job on my product description page. Whoa, homepage. What has happened here? And, yeah. I, and I feel like that's where people get really stuck, too,
1: I, I completely agree, and it's, it's important to where are your where are your customers looking at most most of your t- most of the time they're going to be visiting the homepage because they're googling your website they're entering it indirectly or they're visiting a specific product page because that's what you're marketing that's what you're sending the Google Ads to via paid social posting on social media so those are the two areas I think that are most important to review but no part of your website should be neglected of course
0: of course and. And I can't remember if I said it already, so I'm going to say it again. Google indexes mobile first. So if your desktop is super yes. fast, awesome, good for you, high five. But Google still will look at your mobile performance, even if you're a desktop heavy type of brand. If you're selling $4,000 catches, yeah. for instance, when people are checking out on desktop, most likely. Um, they're still looking at your mobile performance. <laughs> desktop, ma- or desktop, Google makes the rules. We just stick to them.
1: So if you've listened to any of our episodes in the past, you will know that we like to talk about hills that we would die on. <laughs> and this is where it's going to get a little fun for this episode as we kind of go through some hot topics that tend to kind of butt heads between SEO and UX.
0: I can't wait. Do we, do we start with the biggest one or do we, do we climb it?
1: No, let's go ahead and just jump right on top of that hill because it's the first thing that people see when you visit a website. Okay.
0: It makes sense to start here. Let's start here. Uh, So we're starting on pop-ups and I'm not saying that I hate pop-ups. I'm saying I wish I never saw another one in my life. You know, I think those are two different things. And I, I, here's the issue with pop-ups. It's not me who hates them, per se, um, but Google has said at great length why they do not like pop-ups, why it impacts your store, and especially why it impacts mobile. And that they made that announcement years ago. Like imagine a spider crawling around the internet and they like crawl through your store. So that's that, think of, of a spider crawling on your site and I'm sorry if you're um if you're afraid of spiders. But imagine that's happening on your site and you don't ever let it get through the front of your store because you like slam a pop-up right away and uh, in hopes of capturing an email. So that that's that's why it's bad from a Google perspective. I also just loathe them. But Kelly, well, over to you. Because I know there's an actual use case for this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't hate pop-ups. I hate the way that they're Okay, working. fair. fair. Um, I they're absolutely necessary because it is a means of communication that's very important and you know being able to talk to your com- customers outside of the actual website itself and that is usually email marketing but also often you see pop-ups for collecting sms as well if you're if you're uh, advertising via sms so um i think we agree on how pop ups should appear to a level um, i think most importantly there's a there's a level to giving like if I've never visited a website before and I see, oh, give me your email and we'll give you 10% off, I'm only going to fill that out if I am mm-hmm. ready to place an order and I know that I want that 10% off discount code. I will literally reopen the site in incognito to pull up that pop-up again to get that 10% discount code. I'm not going to give you my email address if I've never had any intention on shopping on your store. That's, it, it's about trust. I don't trust you. I don't know what you're going to be doing with my email. I get enough emails every day. I don't want to continue to get more from somebody I've never shopped with before. So that's why it's important to deliver a pop-up later in the user experience. I'm talking at least a minute on actually browsing the website. And even then you see like I haven't actually decided to make a purchasing decision, but we'll get into this. The other thing is that I just wanted to touch on now is not only timing, but distance mm. on the page. So don't show the pop up as soon as like 30 seconds into the page load or whatever. Wait until I've scrolled down a certain portion of the page. Let's say like I made it down 50% of the home page of the homepage, or whatever page I'm viewing. You can actually set triggers like that using different pop up tools, whether you're using Clavio, Privy, Just Do know, they all do it. So you can set those specific triggers to wait, either for, like wait a minute or wait until you've scrolled down 50% of the page.
0: Dare I say, this is something uh, from an SEO perspective and a UX perspective. We we sort of agree on in the sense that you don't want to be shoving the pop up down somebody's throat from a user experience perspective. So one minute is is Kelly's recommendation, and, and I and I will say I, I agree with that from a outside of SEO perspective as well. Um, while I'll, from an SEO perspective, I, I will die on the hill of, of no pop-ups. There are caveats to that. Uh, a top bar is fine. Something that slides in from the side is also fine. Anything that's age-gated, uh, a full pop-up is is totally fine. Google can recognize that as well as any GDPR type stuff. Those are kind of the outside the outsiders.
1: <laughs> yeah. Another word another one that's worth mentioning is exit intent pop-ups. Oh, you love those exit are totally intent. fine. So mm-hmm. I love exit intent pop-ups. So what that means is when I am viewing your website and then I move my cursor off of the screen, let's say I moved it back up to the address bar, or to the bookmarks bar, if I'm going to visit another page, a pop up shows up and you're like, hey, wait, don't leave us. And it might ask your email address for like 10% off discount code or free shipping or whatever it might be. But that's a really great opportunity to just like catch their attention one more time before they actually move away from the website and you lose them. It works. It doesn't work. I mean, it really depends on who the customer is, obviously, but there's no harm in having an exit intent pop-up. So.
0: Absolutely. And Google by now has already crawled your store, by the way, if you have an exit intent pop-up. Yeah. They, they, they have crawled all over your store. They know what's
1: up. Exactly. So I think pop-ups, is a, are, are, they're, they're an interesting topic for us because we have gone deep into the topic of pop-ups on not only the podcast, but on YouTube videos and on webinars that we've done together. So we can probably write a book on pop-ups at this point, um, just in case we need another side project to do. Now we have one. So on the same topic of pop-ups, let's talk about a certain type of pop-up. And that is actually, we, there are a couple of one, a couple of them here that I want to cover. Let's start with spin the wheel pop-ups. I think this is a hill we will both die on and that they should not exist ever. Oh. However, they work. Oh. And I hate that they work. But I will say, while they work, they're really good at attracting discount customers to your business, not your best sellers. They're not your VIP customers. They're the ones who are just looking for a bargain. Um, I'm just so tired of seeing I do not want to see another spin the wheel pop up for the rest of my life I know I cannot make a bet on that because I will lose probably today um <laughs> depending on if I do any shopping I guess uh, <laughs> but I am on I, I get it it is a means to capture an email I'm not a fan of it I think that they're dumb and I think that they're, <laughs> think that 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 they're if you, uh, dumb I'm pulling out the adult language here. <laughs> I'm thinking through this. I
0: also I also want to say real quick that they also can okay, while they capture emails, they also increase bounce. Because yeah. people are like, nope. And anything that increases bounce is Is bad because Google also counts how how long people have been on your store for. That counts towards your overall. Let's say there's a a search number of 100. Uh, Google's like, how many seconds has someone been on the store? Oh, half of one second because they left because they hate pop-up wheels. Okay, (laughs) that that means that your store is not as important, And, and that's something to keep in mind. Is how do I keep people on my store? And I don't think wheels do that. And I agree with you about the discount. Wheels custom.
1: do not do that.
0: No. Wheels yeah. are just irritating.
1: Um, another pop-up that's worth talking about are FOMO pop-ups. So these are not pop-ups. They're that little message that appears usually in the bottom left corner of the screen that says, X person from Y City recently bought Z item. Um, there are apps that have been in the app store that fabricated the data, that it wasn't actually true. And for one thing, the, these apps are no longer in the app store. I'm gonna preface it with that because that is, of of, of a skill from like one to 10 of things not to do on your website, that scores around like a 40 or 50. So don't do that. But most importantly, there's, I don't know, I feel like it's all, I, and I don't know if it's because I run an agency and I know that there are these apps out there that fabricate this data. I've never once thought, "Oh, Joe from Pittsburgh bought this." Well, I want to buy this too.
0: Right? Never. I don't get it. I'm like, good for Joe in Pittsburgh. This information is probably fabricated. That's all I can think of when I see those, exactly. those little m- this little modals pop up. Yeah. I'm just like, that mm, I, I can't be real. But interestingly, yeah. so Ever Everlane does this well, and what they do is. And this is off the top of my head. But when you're on the store or on a, a specific product, they say X amount of people have purchased this in Y, like recently, or have looked at this. And there's 11 left. And that, to me, is FOMO. That That's matters. exactly what I was going to talk just about. Like, right. Yeah, it's right there. And I'm like, oh, there's yeah. 11 left. I might want to be one of the 11 people that get this because I know that they don't always rerun their product. And that works. And that makes me. Exactly. Am. And that also helps with uh, search because it, it it helps with your conversion, which also helps with search. Yeah. Everyone's like, Rian, does everything help with search? And my answer is yes.
1: <laughs> yes. Um, it's called creating a sense of urgency. And X remaining is a really great way to do that because that's an honest Literally, that's how it uses your inventory quantity and shows that number saying that's what's remaining. If you go the modal route that says that tries to falsify the information, that is called a dark pattern and that we don't like dark patterns. We want to avoid dark patterns on our website.
0: I love that all these hills are like mountains that we'll both die on. We're like, do you want to climb up the mountain and live here? And we could just talk about it for three hours. <laughs> Yeah. And we have a list of things so that we want g- to go over. Okay. What's the next thing?
1: Yeah. The next one on our list, animations. We have some differing opinions on this.
0: <sighs> okay. My opinion is animations slow your site down, and I don't like them because they make your site slow, and therefore you shouldn't have them. They're pretty to look at, though. And, and again, if your site is slow, Google will... Uh, downrank you for that. Kelly, what's your thoughts?
1: (laughs) My opinion is that depending on how you use the animation, they could be very, very helpful for conversions. Um, But they can also sit on your site. I'm not going to say no to that. There are a couple of different types of animations we're talking about here. The first, these are called micro animations. So this is like A little like a small animation that happens maybe when you hover over a button or something small moves on the site as you scroll down the page. Um, Some micro interactions are fine. It's like basic CSS that's actually happening in the background. So it is extremely lightweight and does not really have a, a much of a negative impact on your store. However, the other two are where the the slowdown really comes in. And these are GIFs and videos. So let's start with GIFs because speaking from a technical standpoint, gifts are like animated GIFs are cool to have on a site to show some kind of interactivity or animation. However, The file size for GIFs tend to be pretty significant. Like, I I often visit sites and I can, like, if their site is slow, the first thing I do is check to see if they're using a video or they're using a GIF for that animation. And by slow, I mean these file sizes for these GIFs are often 500 to 750 kilobytes, and it's just, it, and if they're especially if they're loading multiple gifts on one page, that that slows your site down so much, and that is why you're seeing that load that low page speed score. If you're not already a zero,
0: we actually ran a, a site. We're not going to say the name right before this. Uh, we we jumped on this to record, and it wasn't a zero, which is the lowest I've ever seen.
1: It was literally zero. I mean, it's literally the, yeah. the lowest number. <laughs> it is possible to score zero. Um. Also important to note on there, like I I. Again, I'm not mentioning the the name of the site just because I don't want to. Uh, <laughs> for reasons, that is my reason. Um, for reasons. <laughs> for reasons. I'm looking at some of these things on here, like properly sizing your images and using video formats for animated content. Here is a GIF that is 1.1 megabytes.
0: Okay, so I asked you this on our YouTube.
1: What is a megabyte? Ooh, let's let's back up here. So, file size. Um, what you're usually seeing for like a small, tiny text document it starts in bytes, and then bytes increase into kilobytes, which increases into megabytes, which increases into gigabytes, and so on. Um, when I'm uploading images to a store, I try to keep all the images below three hundred kilobytes. Um, so if I'm talking 1.1 megabytes, almost one 1.2 megabytes would be four times the recommended size. And I have actually pulled up this GIF and I think it's like six screens. That's it. But it's six screens, really? meaning like it's a it's a pretty like, yeah, like it's like a jumpy kind of gif that shows like different moves, mm. um, like different images basically compiled into the one. Animated image. Um, yeah, it looks like it's maybe like six or seven screens and it is 1.1 megabytes. Oof. That's
0: brutal. That's brutal. That is super brutal.
1: So, how do you solve for this? And I alluded to this earlier. The answer is using videos in place of GIFs. So, you can add on a, a shop or uh, Shopify. Shopify supports HTML5 videos which is basically a, a video that you can just loop over and over again with no sound or anything like that. this the, the file size is significantly smaller. So I could probably convert this gif into an mp4 video and drop the file size from 1.1 megabytes down to 300 kilobytes or somewhere around it. like it is it's it's a significant difference.
0: That is absolutely significant. and you know something I see this happening on as well is, uh, especially i see it mostly in apparel and lifestyle brands it's like a wall to wall beautiful lifestyle image that is like the heaviest image of all time and i'm like i'm looking at it on my phone <laughs>
1: like that's like 80% of their traffic yes in, and this is such a heavy image uh, yeah that's a, that's a really important thing to me and in a lot of shopify themes don't support alternate images to be uploaded for different Screen sizes. There are some solutions that are built into the themes, um, dependent on the theme that you're actually using. One is called basically a source set, which pulls the based on page when it when the page loads based on the screen width, it pulls the correct size image for that screen width. Another one is a JavaScript library called lazy sizes that does the same thing just in JavaScript. Um that's probably like that. This is an absolute necessity, I would say, for any Shopify theme to make sure you're actually loading the correct size image in the space that needs to be loaded in there. If you're loading a 2,000 pixel width image on desktop for large monitors, but you're not loading a smaller image for mobile okay. and you're still loading a 2,000 pixel width image, keep in mind a, a an iPhone 5 screen width is 320 pixels. And if you're loading a 2,000 pixel width image and it's 320 pixel screen, why? Yeah, it's a lot. So you have some homework. Ask your developer if they are currently using. Are, are they're currently loading the correct image size in the in the for the for the screen that's being used, and make them make them fix that if not.
0: And you know, one thing I want to point out about hero images, uh, whether they're heavy hero I call them heavy hero images or 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 not is make sure they have alt text. A lot of themes do have it natively in in within the section but some do not and it's something that is missed so frequently. I know I'm always speaking about alt text but just remember
1: to put it there.
0: It's important it, it needs to be there I'm gonna I'm gonna never stop talking about it.
1: You shouldn't. And so so last week's episode, we talked about accessibility and the, the importance of it. So we go into detail about alt text there. Um, this comes up in basically every every podcast episode we do when it comes to SEO or UX. Um, it, it comes up in literally every single YouTube video that we record. Um, it's important. And, it's, and this is one of those things where SEO and UX will agree on. It might yes. not be something you see on the website, but it impacts your website. And you have to have that alt text there.
0: Something that is optional are slideshows. Oh boy. Here's why they can be good is if there's text overlay and the text is crawlable by Google. Kelly, why do you uh, dislike them so much?
1: (laughs) So I am going to introduce to the world a website that was built not by me. It was built by somebody named Jared Smith according to the footer of the website it is should i use a carousel.com Ooh. please visit this website and i want you to go through and watch the 10 slides on here because carousels are useless here's why <laughs> and i kind of i'm spoiling a little bit of what shows up in here but forgive me um In looking at statistics of how people actually interact with your your carousels, the answer is they don't. A vast majority of people never view the second slide, never click through on a button on the second slide. And all you're doing is loading additional content in that space that's never going to be used. It's never going to be viewed. And you might be like, well, my slideshow automatically goes to the next slide. So of course they're going to see it. Okay, maybe they did see it. Maybe it distracted them enough to take their attention away from what they were doing before. Maybe they were trying to read text on the first slide and then it automatically scrolled to the next one. They're still not going to interact with the next slide or they might go back to the first one and see what they were reading in the first place. My point being, oh, also, since we're on the top of accessibility, man, this is a hill. Um, I'm, I'm getting my little attitude on here. Um, since we're on the topic of accessibility as well, a lot of carousels, a lot of these slideshows are not accessible. You can't actually use your keyboard to navigate through, which means a screen reader does not know how to navigate through the slideshow. So the answer is don't use slideshows. Are they on basically every theme? Yeah. Does that mean you should use it? No.
0: And you don't have to. You can just do the one image.
1: That is what I recommend doing.
0: The workaround here is
1: just don't put more
0: than one picture in. That's the whole workaround.
1: Yeah. You can actually (laughs) use the the, the, the slideshow functionality within your Shopify theme and just use that first slide. And then it doesn't actually turn into a slideshow. It's just that one image.
0: Perfect. That's something you can change today, by the way. If there's one thing
1: you do today, this is the thing you do. This is the thing you do.
0: Okay. So the next thing we're going to talk about is text on your homepage. This is something from an SEO perspective that is a must. And I'm also going to say text on your collection pages as well is really important because Google looks at your text, right? Google uses EAT, expertise, authoritativeness, I can't say it, and trustworthiness. So are you an authority? Are you an expert? And are you trustworthy? And also, do you have content? Content is very important because content can't be Uh, manipulated. You can manipulate a lot of things on Google. You will get in trouble for it. But content is not one of the things, or it's something that is very difficult to manipulate. And so when you're writing organic content, Google's algorithm can pick it up, they understand it, and then they associate with it. And remember, when you're writing this content, you're always wanting to answer a query that someone might be asking, but you need to have text on your homepage, but a lot of people don't because it's not that cute. It just isn't that cute. So, and I recognize that it's not that cute. And the same with the collective page. I recognize it is not cute, but if you don't have it, all Google sees are, especially like if you think of your collection page, all that Google sees is uh, a page full of products, especially if you don't have all text. That's all
1: they see. Yeah, I mean, we we often talk about how important it is for you to know who this brand is before, like, especially as a new customer. Um, I should know about the brand as I'm trying to see like your products and like before I even start navigating through your site. And that's why this text on the homepage is so important, not only from the SEO standpoint, but also from user experience. Is There's an educational piece to it as well, that you have an opportunity to teach your potential new customers and existing customers about who you are as a brand and what makes you different, what makes you special, and give them a reason to actually buy from you. And it's a really great opportunity to show your brand voice in this text, mm-hmm. have some fun with it, show some personality, assuming that you have personality within the rest of the website, make sure that's consistent <laughs> from one page to the next. And also in your email and social media, whatever. Um, I, I wanted to preface that because I, I, I needed to add a little bit more in there and just not just be like, I mean, provided you actually have some kind of personality. Um, that is not <laughs> at all what I meant. <laughs> Yeah, that's an opportunity
0: to tell a story. And I I do want to say one thing, though. I have seen a lot of really beautiful, and I often see it with direct-to-consumer brands. They have, it's text, but it's an image. It's not actual text. And then there's no alt text behind it. So all Google is seeing is an image. So make sure, if that's the route that you're going, which I don't think you should go, (laughs) that you have alt text. But I really think it should be actual text on on, on your front page.
1: <laughs> on your homepage, On your front page. Uh, on your front page. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So this next one's important because it's something we've discussed previously on this episode and also previous episodes. And that's mobile versus desktop experience. And I'm going to start this from the user experience standpoint. Designers and developers usually do desktop first for designs and for development. What this means is we would design a page and build a page based on what it should look like on a desktop and then squeeze everything down to make it appear on a mobile device. (laughs) We've been talking mobile first forever, not forever, long enough where mobile first is a word at this point. As much as we talk about it, we don't actually do it. And I, I, as a developer, am just as guilty of it as well. I honestly hate starting for mobile and then working my way up to desktop. It just completely messes up with my, my development process. But if you're not going to, like, if you're going to design desktop first, that's fine. But you have to really pay attention to both experiences. Because remember, over 60% of your customers are on mobile devices. They're not viewing on the desktop. Maybe it's gone up a little bit with with COVID. Who knows? But the point being, both experiences need to be optimized.
0: Yes. I, I agree on that. SEO standpoint. And from an SEO per- perspective, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, my my only real thoughts from SEO from like an impact statement point is is um google indexes mobile first so that that's just that that yes. is what it is what it is and and if you're sleeping on that and that includes things like and, and this goes it, it like weaves back into user experience right but this goes into tap targets like how and and for those of you listening, you're like, what is a tap target? It's it's the thing you click to get to the next thing on your on your phone. And if the tap target is too small, people are just going to be like, oh, bye. And again, they bounce. If your site is too slow on mobile, they bounce because yep. they think something's wrong with your site. If it doesn't function properly, and it or or and this has happened several times to me <laughs> recently or it does something silly with the cart or there's not a fast a, a fast checkout option uh, people leave and they leave because they're like I'm not going to I have yeah. my mobile phone I'm oh now I have to especially right now you're like where are my credit cards I don't even know and you want people from an SEO perspective but also a UX perspective and certainly from a CRO perspective to stay on your site and then check out on your site and if you're not making that easy on mobile you're losing a huge audience. And ultimately, it's it's back on you as as the merchant because you need to make sure that mobile experience is something that I can go through easily and check out and stay. Otherwise, Google looks at it and says, oh, a person comes on their store for 30 seconds and they leave and people don't check out, period. Why? If that's happening to you, if your churn or, or if you're, if your churn or your bounce is really high, so your conversion rate is really low, start looking into why. And I know we're not going to make it a CRO episode. Otherwise, otherwise it'll be a three-hour episode. But it's important to look at. And, and it matters from Google. It, matter, it It matters on your bottom line. Like, how much money do you want to make? If you increase your conversion by 2%, how much more money are you going to make?
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's also important to remember... As a business owner, you're most likely managing your business from a desktop. You're most likely not managing your business from your phone. And I often see with merchants that you forget what well, you forget what your website even looks like on a mobile device because it's been so yeah. long since you browse your own website on mobile. Please take some time to go through your own website from homepage all the way through checkout on a mobile device and see where you're getting hung up. And it's your own business. And I know you know your business. I know you know how to navigate your own website. You'd be surprised. You're going to find kind of some some missteps, some mishaps in there and be like, ooh, I should probably fix that. Yeah. Highly recommend doing that. That is, again, something that you can do right now as you're listening to our beautiful voices on this podcast.
0: Yes. Please do that today.
1: Okay. So we just went through a number of these hot topics. And I think – Despite some minor disagreements on on what is useful to have on your site and what's not, for the most part, we agree. Yeah. And I think that's the important point that we're making here is there is a balance between SEO and UX, and, and you're looking to achieve that perfect balance on your site. Because there are plenty of things that you can add to your site that really add to the experience, but don't slow down your site or don't negatively impact your SEO.
0: Absolutely. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I think this is something, if you are working with multiple teams and because that happens sometimes, right? You have an agency working on your design and dev, and then you might hire a a marketing agency or an SEO agency. And all of a sudden, you might find yourself as a store owner in, in the midst of a disagreement. You can, you now have some tools where you can say, hold on a second, but don't we just kind of agree on the bottom line here? And the bottom line as a store owner is, how do I get people to my store and how do I make money? that's that's the whole that's the whole thing. how are, How am I going to make any money?
1: So that's the whole goal. <laughs>
0: that's the goal
1: exactly. All right, let's do some store shout outs. Rian, what is your shout out for this week?
0: My shout out this week is Adam J. K. and I just found this store on Twitter. And it's really funny. And maybe this resonates with people. And they, ha- I, there's a tote on this website. And the tote says, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Is crossed out. And then underneath it is written, work super hard all the time with no separation or any boundaries and also take things extremely personally. And so I just, I really resonated with that. It's me. It's me as well. Like ah oh, yes, this is the this is the store of the day because this tote bag resonates with me. But overall, this store is super cute. It's easy to navigate. Uh, the color, you know, it's it's performant. The colors are nice, and I just enjoy it. And also, the copywriting on it's really funny. So and I love some good copy. Oh, I love that. What about you, Kelly?
1: My store this week is called Alipop. It's drinkalipop.com. Mm. And they sell like prebiotic soda alternatives. So they're good for your digestive health. Um, their site is super cute. Their, uh, their photography is really great. Um, they have some gifts on their page, so I have opinions about that. But they just do they do a lot of things really great. Also, their like their brand color scheme is really great. their copy is good. Um, they use large font size, which I really appreciate as I'm scrolling through the store the it, it, it's very readable. Um, yeah, i I think this site is super, super cute, and I'm tempted to just buy things because everything's pretty.
0: Awesome, and you know, I recently—is it surprising that I recently bought some, and it's delicious?
1: No, <laughs> you bought from a DTC brand. What's happening? Amazing. So, I hope you enjoyed our UX SEO battle royale. I hope it was actually more. You know, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure you learned a thing or two from it. I hope you learned a thing or two from it. Be because we had fun recording this episode. But yeah, so thanks for tuning in. And thanks again for our sponsors for supporting this episode. We now have a YouTube channel. Watch our friendly Shopify store teardowns at youtube.com slash commerce tea. We release a new YouTube video every Thursday morning. You can subscribe to Commerce T on your favorite podcasting service. We post new episodes every Tuesday. So grab your mug and join us. We'll see you next week.
0: Clocked In is a time clock for Shopify. With Clocked In, your team members can easily clock in and out of their shifts from anywhere. You can manage your team's hours as they work remotely with an intuitive interface that can be used from desktop, tablet, or mobile. Check it out at clockedin.io or in the Shopify App Store.